0: Maybe seated. Father God, we thank you for this incredible morning. What a wonderful time of worship. And we echo those words Great are you, Lord. And we've gathered to worship your great name. We haven't gathered for self, we haven't gathered to draw attention to ourselves or to check a box. We have gathered to worship your great name. And Father, I pray that as we continue in the word, that you would challenge our hearts, that you would remind us and teach us of the things that you want us to know and to remember as we continue in this journey of becoming more Christ-like. God, would you reveal to us this morning more of who you are so that we can better understand our own lives in relation to who you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good morning. Glad that you are here this morning worshiping with us and for those joining us online and for those in traditions that'll be joining us and the Kindred Campus that joins us at 10 o'clock. It's a lot of fun, the Kendrick Campus. If you haven't had a chance and you're, you're at all interested in that or you're in that area at all, I encourage you to pop in there at the elementary school at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning and join them for worship. We were there a couple of weeks ago and it was really exciting to see uh, what's happening there. If you have a Bible, Proverbs 16, 9, uh, we're going to look at that one verse, but also James 4, 13 through 17 um, in relation to Proverbs sixteen nine. So if you want to turn there, you can use you version if, uh if you want to use that. You can follow along. So what are you afraid of? Over the last uh, couple of weeks, we've been talking about that that question, what are you afraid of? We've talked about the fear of failure, and then we talked about the fear of disapproval. And today, I want to talk to you about the fear of being diverted. And you think, well, what does that mean? It's this idea of the fear of your plan not working out. It is said that laughter is a good, it's good for the soul, that it's that it's therapeutic, it's a great stress relief, it's contagious. I mean, even the Bible speaks highly of laughter and joy. Proverbs 1722 says, A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. One of the things that sets a person apart from another person, amongst other personality kinds of things, is their, the way that they laugh. It's their laughter. And, and I don't know, you, you probably know people and you hear their laugh, maybe down in another room or down the hall, and you're like, I know who that is because I recognize them by the way that they laugh. Some people snort or snicker or cackle or chuckle or belly laugh. But, but you've heard this phrase and this idea, I wonder what God's laugh sounds like when we tell him what our plans are for tomorrow or next week or next month or next year or 10 years from now. I mean, I want you just to pause for a second and think about this. If we believe that God is who he says he is, if we believe the God of the Bible, that he is all-knowing and that he is all-powerful, he's omniscient and omnipotent, it really is kind of funny that we would ever think that we've got it all figured out in this life, as though we know what's gonna happen tomorrow. As though we know what's gonna happen when we leave this place. We say things like, I'll do this or that, or I'll go here or there. And I hear people say, I will get married and have this many kids at this time of my life. They they will be this or that. They'll go to college and, and, and they'll be successful. And then I say things like this. I'll retire and live in their basement for free and eat their food for free and drive their cars for free. My kids keep telling us, we're gonna move you one more time. I don't know if you know what that means. I assume it's into their basement, right? With all the amenities, and, and then a, a putting green in the backyard, all that kind of stuff. But in all seriousness, we say I will or or, or we will way too much. Some, sometimes things just don't go the way that they're planned. Have you ever run into that? You know, nothing wrong with a plan. In fact, the Bible tells us to be wise, right, and to be prepared. But what can happen is we live out of the fear of our plan not working out. And that fear can drive us to control or at least attempt to control all of the moving pieces of this life so that we can get them to work out because we're afraid. For just a second, think about a plan that you have for life. What if that doesn't work out? So, one life changing question that we're looking at this morning is my course or his steps? This is what Proverbs 16 9 says In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. It's not the course in life that will take us to our destination. It's the steps that you take. The first idea is this, my course, the first part of verse nine, in their hearts humans plan their course. My plans, my course, and the common denominator is my. Uh, Let's face it, typically our plans and the course that we design for our lives honestly have one goal in mind and that's happiness. It's about doing everything we can to make sure that our circumstances are favorable. It's about feeling good. Personal happiness and feeling good have become, for many, the effect of life, making the rest of life the cause. If our plans are the cause of our effectual happiness, you had better believe we will make plans all day long that will ensure us feeling good and being happy. Why are we so easily lured into planning the course of life? Well, the first part of the verse answers that question. In their hearts... It all begins with the heart. What is it about our heart? It's where our dreams and our plans are birthed. It all begins in the heart. That is why Scripture is so emphatic when it says, take care of your heart. If not, it will lead you to places that you never expected to go. Proverbs 4.23 says as much. Keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. The heart is where we find our motives that drive us and why we do what we do. It's where the vision of life is born and where goals are established to get us to our vision. If our heart is not being influenced by God, then chances are we are planning our own course. If our heart is not being influenced by God, then chances are we're planning our own course. We spend much of our life manipulating and controlling just to get things to happen according to our plan. So it says this, it gives us the answer, in their hearts humans, plan their course, says if you live life to get what you want to get out of it, if you want life to be about fulfilling your dreams and meeting your goals and obtaining your wants and fulfilling your desires, then let your heart run wild and plan your course. But the first half of the verse implies Don't inquire of him about life. Don't ask him what he thinks. Don't seek to know what he wants to do with your life. Just continue about your business. If your heart is not being influenced by God, then your plans are not his plans. If your heart is not being influenced by God, then your plans are not his plans. How can our plans be His plans if we never are in a position to listen and be influenced by Him? Wouldn't make any sense. Here's a humbling thought. Our plans never become His plans. His plans become our plans. And there's a huge difference. A plan is merely a pathway into the future that will take us to a predetermined place in life that we say is acceptable. We all do it, right? I do it. We plan out our day. We plan out next week, next month, next year. A plan usually includes all of our hopes and our dreams and our ideas and our wants and our preferences. It's a vision of a predetermined place that we say is acceptable. I don't know if you're familiar with James four thirteen through 17. I want to jump there for just a second because when, when people come and they, and they talk to me or they ask questions about I don't know what to do or how do I know if I'm following the Lord's will and that sort of thing, I always go to this passage. James four thirteen through 17 says this, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money, why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag, all such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. It's an incredible passage of scripture when it comes to our future or thinking about where are we going And how do we know what God wants? Who's James trying to get the attention of here? Anyone who thinks they know what tomorrow will bring. Anyone who thinks they have life all figured out. He says, now listen, you who make plans and establish a course in life. There are some key takeaways in that James passage that I want to point out. The first takeaway is in verse 13, it says this. We like to make plans. There's an assumption in verse 13, and the assumption is people like to make their own plans. They like to plan their course, they like to plan their own decisions and make their own decisions. These are people who measured success in life by the number of times things seemed to go their way. And by the number of times they accomplished their own plans. Because when things would go my way or I accomplished my own plans, I step back and I think, that it was a success. They were people who measured success in life by the number of times things went their way. There's one more assumption in verse 13. God is always an afterthought. That's an assumption made in verse 13. He's never a forethought. He's always an afterthought. It says this, I know. It's hard to believe, isn't it? What kind of person would ever make plans and establish their course without consulting God? Who would do that? Some of you will know this reference, many of you will not. Welcome back, Cotter. Remember that show? Anybody, Mr. Cotter? Horseshack would always raise his hand when Mr. Cotter would ask a question. He'd always raise his hand and go, oh, 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 pick me, pick me, right? I know the answer. That's what all of us are doing right now because that's what James, that's who James is speaking to. It's all of us, right? We're all going, oh, pick me, that's me. I do it. You do it. We're all guilty. And for the most part, our plans are good, of course. They're not destructive. Considering happiness and feeling good, are, that's our destination, right? Most people don't want to wake up in the morning and, and say, I wonder how I can have the most miserable day ever or how can I take off the most drivers on the way to work? Of course not. We like our plans. But... what if they don't work out what happens when life looks different the result can be pain disappointment heartache confusion because we thought things were going to go one way and take us to this predetermined place where we thought was acceptable in life, but for whatever reason, we find ourselves in a place in life different than what we hoped for or dreamed about. That's one takeaway. Another takeaway is in verse 14, James says this in reference to this whole idea of where life is going. He says, life is short. He says, we're, we're like this mist that appears and then vanishes. In fact, Proverbs 27.1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. And the uncertainty of tomorrow can cause fear. But I want you to hear this. The uncertainty of tomorrow can cause fear if our life is anchored in our plans. Think about it having a plan and lacking the knowledge and the power to make your plan happen, that's a recipe for control, big time. When you find yourself trying to control, there's always a plan in mind, a predetermined place in life that you say, that's acceptable for me. Do you find it ironic that God gave us the ability to to think and to reason and to plan? He gave us that ability to do those things, but He did not give us the knowledge and the power to make them happen? What do you suppose He might have in mind there? We're going to get to that in just a second. It says here, You do not know what will happen tomorrow. That's our reality. It's hard to swallow, it's hard to admit, but we must wrestle with it. I do not know what will happen tomorrow. I know it's kind of a little bit post-COVID, but I wonder if you know the person next to you and you feel safe, that's kind of your bubble, so to speak, would you just turn to them and say, you do not know what will happen tomorrow? you don't know what will happen tomorrow. Would you just say that to the person next to you? And inside of us probably there's a lot of anxiety when somebody says that to us, and we're probably thinking, uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, I know what's gonna happen tomorrow, right? Let me ask you this, so does that change anything for you? does that make you think about life just a little bit differently? Does it make you want to live in every moment? Does it make you want to celebrate what you do know, the right here and the right now? Does it help you to slow down and and maybe even just step back and take a breath knowing that tomorrow is no more certain than your next breath? A few weeks ago, Dave Yexley attended church here many of you know him got up out of bed went to his kitchen table sat down read the bible and wrote in his journal he went to the bathroom to get ready for work and a short time later Joyce found him on the bathroom floor having died of a heart attack Dave didn't wake up thinking it was his last day on this earth nor did Joyce know that her life would forever be changed And so James is pointing out here, life is short. We are only a vapor or a mist that covers the countryside in the morning, and by noon, it's gone. Our lives represent a morning fog that lifts and disappears in a matter of minutes. Considering our life here on this earth, we are temporary. Psalm 90, verse 12 says this, Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom the third takeaway of that james passage verse 15 god's will is way more important than our plans because this was said. don't spend so much time planning for a future you don't know and miss walking in the steps that he does know maybe you're thinking at this point my plans have taken me to a place in life exactly where I want to be. There is no doubt our plans can take us far. It's quite possible that your plans will take you to where you want to go in life, but is where you want to go the same destination where God wants you to go? That's the question I'm raising this morning. Are those two things in alignment? Uh, We can be stubborn, and therefore we think to ourselves, I will decide what I will do and when I will do it. I will decide how I'll spend my time, I'll decide what I commit to, how I'm gonna use my resources, how I'll spend my money, what I'll involve myself in, I will make those decisions. And then as I carry out my plans, it's as though I want God to then come along and give me a thumbs up or give me a head nod and say, Andy, man, you're right on track, you're you're doing great, you've got all the resources, right? And that God would bless me my course secondly his steps the second part of verse 9 back to Proverbs 16 9 the main verse in their hearts humans plan their course and then it says this but the Lord establishes their steps so so this morning we are we're looking at the fear of diversion which is my plan not working out. And you say, well, this this really isn't a fear for me. I don't sit around thinking, oh, what if my plan doesn't work out, right? No, it really shows up in a different way and it's back to that idea of control and arranging and that sort of thing. So we don't necessarily think of the fear, we hide behind the fear and then we try to orchestrate so this never comes to fruition. And now for the second half of the verse, as we consider the answer to the fear of our plan not working out, but the Lord establishes their steps. The question we have to wrestle with regarding our future and our plans is this. Will it be my course with the fewest unintended consequences and collateral damage and the smallest amount of disruption and the least amount of discomfort because that's what we choose on our course. Will it be my course with those things or his steps? And there's a difference. How do we follow God's steps instead of our course? If things are good in life, then we must be on the right path, right? Or if things are a challenge in life, we must be on the wrong path. We've believed that lie for too long. Life works best when our plans becomes God's plans. And they're the same thing. Nine-tenths of our problem is that, for me, is that I refuse to lay my will on the table. I refuse to set my will aside. You know, God gave me free will, he gave you free will, and man, do I have a death grip on it because I refuse to set it down. And we risk the possibility of not hearing what God is trying to say. When we're thinking about this course and God is saying, look, all I want you to do is this, just take this next step that I want to show you. One of our biggest struggles is to want the Lord's established steps more than our own course plan. It's a struggle to want what he wants. Simply said, God's plan for us has himself in mind. We were not put here for us, we're put here for him. So God directs our steps and he will do whatever he wants to get us to where he wants us to be, God will interrupt our life, of course. I like to think God uses road signs, so to speak, as a way of getting us to see and follow his steps more than our plans. So I want you to think about road signs for just a second. Think about a yield sign. Sometimes God has to, to slow us down. Sometimes he has to put a yield sign in our life. And what do those look like? Sometimes they're disappointments that cause us to pump the brakes. Those moments when we reflect on, I thought things would be different. Those are yield signs. And he's saying, hold on a second. Sometimes it's a detour sign. Sometimes God directs our steps through detours. We think we know the way, and God steps in and directs our way. And even though it seems longer and way out of the way, It's always the right way, a transfer or a move. These are detour kinds of things. When we're going one way and God says, nope, I want you to go this way. So those things can look like a detour or or move, a transfer, a job transfer. or He's asking you to move across the country or, or you lose your job or you're laid off or you have relationship struggles. And God says, those are detours. I'm using in your life because I'm trying to get your attention. Sometimes it's an incline And God takes us through hard times, trials, and he uses those to refine us and shape us. Where do you think hurt and pain and loneliness and abandonment and recovery and and, and forgiveness and all those things that weigh us down? Those are tough journeys. And sometimes, friends, it's a flat-out stop sign. Sometimes God will bring us to a screeching halt in life because we've spent way too much time on our own plan and own course, and he will use things in our life to say, stop right there. Sometimes he'll use the yield sign or the detour or the incline methods, but yet we're still going, and, and, and he has to say, stop. God is sovereign, right? Do you believe that? Do you believe that God is in control of all things? I believe he is. And I believe that he causes and allows all things in our life. And And those things could catch us off guard. They could be unexpected. They could come out of the blue. A major illness, a medical scare, a death, an injury, a financial crisis. All kinds of halting events. And God said, stop. Now you say, well, God would never do that. Did you hear me say that God is sovereign and God will either cause some of those things or he may allow them in your life and my life to say, stop. If you're not trusting God and find yourself relying more on what you see and what you know and find yourself rarely mindful of God, there's a pretty good chance you are following your course and not God's step. Let me come full circles as we close. Today's message is about the fear of not having our plans work out. And not having my plan work is really scary. It makes total sense to me. I feel out of control and anxious. I'm beginning to realize more and more that whether it's a yield or a detour or an incline or even a stop sign that God, that he has always the best in mind for me and he always has the best in mind for you. Always. And so we need to slow down and take notice of the things that are happening in our life right now. Are you seeing them? Because if we don't take notice of them and just keep plowing through life, taking everything in stride, then friends, there's a good possibility that we are missing out what God is trying to accomplish in us and around us, right within a small circle. Let me leave you with with one thing. And if that's new for you, that's how we close each week. Just it's kind of this last point to ponder and give thought through throughout the week. On my course, there will be fear. You can personalize this. But God's steps will eliminate fear. And then I want to bring that Proverbs 27 1 back in. Don't brag about tomorrow since so you don't know what the day will bring. Father, thank you for this morning and thank you for um, the wisdom of, of Proverbs. And when we just consider life and, we, and we're talking about these fears that we have in this life, it's, it's interesting that every fear that we talk about, everything points back to you. That you are our true anchor. Lord, help us as as we continue to worship here in a second and and as we partake in communion together as a body, that our focus and attention would be on you and that we would long, we would long to know you more and we would long to know the steps that you have for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for meeting with us and encouraging us and giving us hope. In Jesus' name, amen.